Well, hello and welcome to the Free Mind Podcast with Seth and Novareddy. This is Stephen Robles, and we're on episode 20. This wow. is our, our second decade yeah. of episodes right here. Can't believe it. <laughs> it goes quick, and um, we've got lots of great listener feedback, and you know, our, uh, I think the last couple episodes talking about free speech and arguing, arguing without being argumentative yeah. uh, mm-hmm. hit a, a nerve, so that's great. Yeah, and any more, too, I you know, just want to invite you guys, please feel free to uh, through Instagram, it's at FreeMindFM. At FreeMindFM. Yeah. Our Facebook is FreeMindPodcast. Yeah, FreeMindPodcastFM. FM, okay. Yeah. So get on there, you know, yeah. throw your thoughts at us. We want to interact with you guys as well. And, you know, you might make us think of something we hadn't thought of and vice yeah. versa. We can give you some resources, stuff we're working through ourselves. So just want to encourage you to continue to interact. And, yeah. And if you see current events, you know, I think that's one Mm -hmm. of the most interesting things is when someone, you see something in the news or something that someone says, Mm -hmm. Hollywood star or musician, you know, be great to interact with that. For sure. And we actually have had some people give us recommendations for podcasts they want to hear about. I think we might have done a couple of those based on absolutely feedback. And before we jump into today's topics, do want to mention again, Impact 360, which is an awesome organization and sponsors of this show. They have great tools and courses for Christian apologetics and worldview. And one of their online courses I'd like to point out is their course on truth. Uh, the title of the course is Explore Truth, and it covers things about what is truth and it talks about moral relativism, which is to say, how do we know things are right and wrong and how does our culture approach morality? It deals with the exclusivity of Jesus. The question, is Jesus really the only way to God? About tolerance. And so really important topics and great for worldview discussion. So I encourage you to check that out, impact360.org, and you can use the promo code FREEMIND. Hey. For $25 off. That's right. I might actually use that pro. Me nervous. So <laughs> oh, we should dedicate this summer, baby, do all four or five courses. Oh, wow. Yeah. That'd together. Be cool. That'd be cool. That'd Y'all be should do it too. Cool. Yeah, student. yeah. We could do it. Yeah, that'd be great. We use our own free mind codes. Uh, so that's <laughs> right, awesome, man. Our own that's discounts. Awesome. <laughs> so we had a bunch, a couple things yeah, you wanted to talk about. Yeah, interesting. You know, t- so today we're actually doing our podcast for the first time at our church, uh, the Crossing Church right. in Tampa, that's where right. we were. We have all been on staff at some point, yes. and that's right. Brother Stephen is still on staff. Church. That's right. You're kind of the wizard. Right. That's the official yes. title. That's the official <laughs> title. Many hats. He's brilliant. Yeah, I just try to pull all the things together. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of pieces Media and worship and, and production, and I just try to make sure go smoothly. We had to come meet him here because he's got a lot of run around. He's been doing this week. We've been doing a lot of run around, but it's odd. We the reason we were already up here this morning is we kind of a somber note. Um, but one of our good friends and a guy who was in our core team when we were young adult pastors here named Jas Fron, he actually passed away this last week. A young guy, probably in his twenties, uh, unfortunately due to a motorcycle accident. It was a motorcycle accident. Yeah, and um. So yeah, man, we 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 just uh, celebrated. We had a he had a a life. I think they called it a life celebration yeah, service beautiful. here today in this very student center where we had yeah. our young adult services for, right. for four years. And mm-hmm. we don't get to come here as often anymore. But it was kind of nostalgic seeing seeing some of our old core team members, some of our friends, some of the some of the pastors from the church here. And you know, in I was telling Nerva, even on the ride today, I've actually been, it's odd because I've been studying a lot of eschatology lately mm. um, and just the different views about what did the end times look like. I, I 
first came across, I first kind of jumped back into that subject. There was a book uh, by Michael Brown and Craig Keener they just recently put out called "I'm Not Afraid of the Antichrist," and hmm. it was a it was a book um, basically taking the perspective that rapture theology wasn't the the best way to interpret certain New Testament passages. They right. were they're they're what's called a premillennialist. So millennialism, millennial basically means thousand years, and typically it's connected to the um, Revelation 20 passage talked about the thousand year reign of Christ. And there's basically three large broad streams of views in Orthodox Christianity. One is like, like I said, they were premillennial, which means the second return of Christ would come. And then the thousand year reign would happen before the very end, the day of the Lord, when basically the final judgment takes place. A millennialism is just kind of like you know when you put the word a in front like atheist not means not right. not so for the a millennials they they interpret the thousand years as not a literal thing but a but like a metaphor of of completion or you know on and on and on and basically the view there is that christ his next return will be it like that's when he comes back recreates the right. new heavens new earth and final judgment takes place there's no like literal thousand year reign the thousand year reign is sort of metaphorical for how jesus is reigning now putting his enemies under his feet. Right. And then there's a kind of an odd view to us because um, I would say the most popular view these days is premillennialism since, um, I don't know, 18th century. But from, so from the time of St. Augustine in the 300s for like a thousand years, it was probably amillennialism was right. one of the more dominant views. But, but among Re- Reformation thinkers, I, I believe postmillennialism was actually one of the more popular views. And that hmm. was... Held by Jonathan Edwards, who was you know instrumental in the first great awakening, brilliant okay. one of the most you know brilliant theologians of Christianity. But basically, that view is just like it sounds post millennial. So mm-hmm. their view is that the kingdom would continue to spread and spread and spread. All the nations would like the the process that we're in now is God um, basically discipling the nations and bringing them under the kingdom, putting all the enemies under under His feet. And that there would be kind of a thousand year golden range, and after that golden age, and after that Jesus would come back and de- defeat the last enemy, which is death. Mm-hmm. Now I was watching an interesting. Uh, so I'm trying to read like these different perspectives, the best versions of each, and compare and contrast. And so I'm still in a bit of a journey trying to trying to understand what what are the differences and, and where do I land. I, I haven't landed yet on a right. particular view, but I was listening to a discussion between John Piper. He was uh, kind of leading. The, he was leading the discussion between three people. Each represented one of those views. Okay. And <laughs> one of the guys on there that I've been reading lately, he, he's a current po- post millennialist, which is odd. You don't get a lot of those nowadays. But he's hmm. got some. He's a brilliant guy and really, really good in classical education. He was instrumental, hmm. I think, early on for bringing classical education, classical Christian education, um, across the board. In fact, we were. Recently, at a school in uh, Lakeland, uh, where, where we're from, uh, Geneva Classical, yeah. oh, they, yeah. they were saying how they got started. And they said there was this guy, Douglas Wilson, that hmm. had recommended this Dorothy Sayer book. And they said they, it was weird. It was a weird connection. Anyways, D- uh, Douglas was joking on this interview. And he said something like, you know, a lot of people just say, I'm a pan millennialist, which means in the end, it'll all pan out. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, ultimately they were kind of joking because it was a friendly discussion, although they had strong views, but they were saying, what are the things they all had in common? And 
one of the things that's striking when you see what they all have in common is it's that if the Orthodox Christianity doesn't teach like, you know, I'll fly away all glory hmm. and and forever we go on to this kind of platonic realm where it's spiritual and that's that's it. Where um what it really teaches is what Douglas Wilson says in his book is he says, Heaven is not my home, I'm just passing through. Hmm. In other words, there's an in-between phase when you die and the time when Christ comes back. And when Christ actually returns, whether you're an amillennialist or premillennialist or postmillennialist, at the end of all that, the final judgment takes place and he recreates new heavens and new earth. And it's what theologians call transformed physicality. Hmm. And so it's not actually wow. a spiritual um, existence, but it's actually the picture of heaven joins with earth in the way that it was meant to be with Eden in the way that it was before the fall, hmm. but it enhances it and makes it even better. So whereas in Eden you had night and day and you had sea and land, in Revelation the picture is no more night, no more sea, no wow. more evil. Um, <clears throat> but the idea is heaven comes down, now the kingdoms of the earth become the kingdoms of our God, and we exist sort of like Jesus was bodily raised um, from the dead. Right. The picture in Christianity is that the whole creation groans for its being raised from the dead as well. Yeah. Hmm. And so all the, you know, all the saints rise up, right. all, you know, everybody's judged, and they, th- then they go to their kind of final destination from there. And that's where they all coalesce. But anyways, I say all that to say um, what I was reminded of today when I came to the funeral, what I said to Nerva, I said, you know, since I've been studying this stuff from a biblical perspective, it's really given me a heavenly lens to see things like this where they used to just like, I don't know, it just, it's still, you still mourn, you're still really sad. And that's, that's part of it. Like there's something wrong about Mm. it. This young guy dying for something like a motorcycle accident, this friend of ours, you know, who it's going to be now a time before we see him again. Mm. But I was reminded that just like like Jesus said to the thief on the cross that day, today you will be with me in paradise. Mm-hmm. And then right. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be with Christ. And yeah. so there is this departure from the physical body for a time when we are in the presence of Christ. And N.T. Wright talked about being in the garden of God, this, mm-hmm. this paradise scenario where he's consciously awake. This would be one area we would, we would kind of take a different position from, say, Seventh-day Adventist. But... Uh, most historic Christians would agree that the biblical teaching here is that he is consciously present right now. Wow. Like he's, he's with <laughs> Jesus experiencing him <laughs> and he's actually waiting. There's a cloud of witness, like looking forward to the time when Jesus will come back and take his rightful place as King of Kings, King over all the earth. <laughs> and I was thinking, man, he, there's not a chance he'd want to come back here. And I remember because we, uh, we actually, the, the first night, Jasfron came. It was a Halloween, and yep, we were doing a psalmos, we uh, which was a, like a night of worship. Mm. Well, we and did psalms, a theme, yeah. and we were doing the theme of uh, Halloween, Hallows, Hallowed Eve. You know, the the night before the All Saints Day, right? Celebrating the saints who had gone before us and died. Mm. And um, somebody invited Jasfron. He was working down the street at the at the gas station, and and one mm. of our members just invited him that night, and he randomly came, like in his uniform and yeah, everything. Absolutely. You remember that? Yeah. And he came in and like, and you know, our, our ministry was, it was more of an equipping ministry. I would say probably my gifting was not in evangelism as much, you know, like the lead pastor here, I would say that's one of his strengths is evangelism. Mine 
if I could say it was more discipling, equipping. So we didn't uh, we didn't often get like people raising their hands at the end. But I gave the pill that night for someone if you you know if you want to come into the kingdom of God, you want to give your life, repent, turn to Jesus. One hand raised, you know. <laughs> And this guy was just like kind of swaggering across the room. And I was like, hey, who is this guy? And it's, you know, <laughs> his, uh, I can't remember the name of the gas station, but in his, in his outfit. And he comes up there and he like literally just came to know Jesus that night and jumped right in. Like mm-hmm. he was full on in, became wow. a disciple of Jesus, got involved. He became one of our, probably one of our main volunteers, wouldn't yeah. you say, babe? Oh, yeah. He beat everybody here, left after everyone <laughs> right. was gone. Did security, did everything. He just yeah, kinda man. And one of the most jovial. Gaps guys and and i you know it just remind me being here today that we all play a part in people's stories like that like i mean who knows like that that night is the reason like he's now in the presence of jesus you know it's just mm. something to think about is like these things we take to be so small sometimes sure. can have eternal consequences oh yeah mm. definitely well we love you jess Fran. yeah man thanks for being a part of our lives man it was a beautiful yeah. service it was cool to see um, all of his friends from his high school days and people that he had this crew of guys that he did a lot of hip hop music with. And that was just fun to hear those <laughs> stories. It was great. But yeah, you're right. I, I off, It made me ponder when I when you look at older movies of um, spouses going off to war during a wartime, they would yeah. say things to their spouse like, yeah, should the Lord take me today? Hmm. They just seem to have a piece about it. Right. They just seem to have a different mindset right. that they understood like Paul, to live as Christ, to die as gain. And so, yeah, it makes me really, really rethink death, and I want to have the right perspective. So right. maybe I'll dig into some of those books with you <laughs> well, on that. Yeah, yeah. It's still I was, heartbreaking for me. Yeah. I point people to also C.S. Lewis. He has two great books, which is The um, the Problem of Pain, yeah. which where he talks mm. about suffering from a clinical standpoint. And then he writes almost a secondary part, which is A Grief Observed. It's after mm. his wife okay. died of cancer. Yeah. And A Grief Observed is pretty raw. You yeah. know, for someone... Yeah. Uh, like C.S. Lewis, to almost shake in his faith. You know, he's yeah. pretty open to say, mm. where are you, God, in this moment? And for someone who has lost a, a loved one or someone close to them, A Grief Observed is a good, maybe cathartic book to read yeah. to kind of see that this giant in the faith still struggled yeah, man. Uh, during a time like this, but also comes out the other side um, knowing that God is still there. Yeah. And um, he gives this example of sometimes when we suffer loss that we feel like we're knocking on this door and asking for God to answer, and there's no sound from the other side. And then towards the end of the book, he says, no, it's actually God knocking on the door to my heart, and I'm refusing to let him in wow. during this time. Mm. And uh, just some some powerful illustrations and words uh, in that book. So Grief Observed, I uh, definitely recommend. Yeah, man. And, you know, that is, re- like, I think the worst fear for me would be losing my wife. Like, there was mm. one time— Sorry, I know we're right. completely getting Same off topic here. here. Same here. Maybe we'll just push yeah. our other subject to another <laughs> one. But um, like, I forget it was that time. Oh, yeah, you were having surgery. Yeah. And I was out of town mm-hmm. and uh, the doctor called my phone and she, I could like hear a panic in her voice. And she was like, I know she was trying to be strong, you know, but she was like, mm-hmm. hey, uh, yeah, we're just, uh, everything went, you know, pretty good. We, we're just going to have to. We're gonna have to pull her in one more time. She's actually losing a lot of blood and this and that. And I was like, mm. it was I, I was like, well, what does that mean, you know? And she was like, well, I, I'm gonna have to pass you to the nurse. We got to run back in. And it, I could just hear like the panic. And I remember I was at a, actually at a a Beth Moore event that weekend, so I I wasn't able to be with her yeah. at the and surgery. Kind of came simple, out last. Yeah, it was supposed yeah. to be like a simple yeah. 
thing. So all of a sudden, like, I remember my world shaking. Oh, I like, can't imagine. It was like, I couldn't think of anything else. So I went to the prayer time that night and I was just like broken. Like, I was just like, y'all got to pray. Mm. We got to pray. Mm. In fact, I think uh, my good buddy, uh, Travis and his wife, Angela, that he was a worship leader of the team. Right after I got that call, I just went to their room and I was like, cause I couldn't even sit there mm. in that room and, and just be alone with my thoughts and <clears throat> ugh, even thinking yeah. about it now, but you know, so I, it's, I just can't imagine them for people that lose kids too. You know, it's, mm. it really, it takes a man, just a supernatural help in those moments to, so I don't mean to, you know, downplay anybody's mourning or, or pain, but I do think um, if you develop theological framework in advance mm. and um, yeah. and have that understanding and then, you know, in the, when the time you're going through it, it's not necessarily like you want to pick up a theology book, but it's kind of in right. the background there. It's what, it gives you that stability um, to know where to turn in those moments. I think suffering is one of the biggest questions for people when it comes to believing in God and reconciling all the suffering in the world. Yeah, I think sometimes that's where a lot of sects of Christianity kind of get it wrong where, you know, yeah. if there's, if you have enough faith or if you are close enough to God that you wouldn't experience the kind of pain that we do in this world and eventually reality sets in, you know, and you will lose someone eventually. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think like William Lane Craig says, there's the logical problem of suffering, right. which is, do I doubt God because suffering exists? Then there's the emotional problem yeah. is what, what do I do when I experience suffering myself? And, yeah. and like you said, I think it's better to front load you know, yeah. your theology mm. before experiencing yeah, it. Man. But then after you experience it or someone close to you experiences, that's, that's not the time to talk about God right. and suffering from a clinical perspective. Yeah. And it's, yeah, and it's one of those things. I watched a short video one time about how to empathize with someone mm. who is suffering and I, I forgot a lot of it, but one of the main points I took away was, you know, don't, don't try to find the silver lining in suffering. Mm. You know, a lot of times if you're talking to someone who's lost a loved one or there's a sickness, you know, trying to say like, well, at least it's not X or it's not that, like that doesn't help. Right. You know, trying yeah. to find a silver lining or to sugarcoat things, you know, just be present with someone. Yeah. And it's trite, but to ask, you know, what would Jesus do in this yeah. situation mm -hmm. what can the holy spirit offer and sometimes it's just presence mm -hmm. uh, being with someone like that and so a lot sure. of times especially from this apologetic standpoint we get wrapped up in like trying to explain something for sure for during sure. this time it's not it's not for explanations yeah yeah, yeah. no i think that there's a lot of wisdom there and i was thinking about that distinction too and you have to use wisdom and knowing when the pastoral voice or the friend you know just yeah the, or just a good old hug sometimes yeah, just man. know that you're compassionate and you feel you feel their pain, you know. Not that you're yeah. walking through it exactly, but you're, you're mourning with them. Yeah, and they feel loved. I always I think, think about, that's important. Yeah, but I think about Job, and I never want to be like one of his counselors. You know, <laughs> right? That's There's my fear. Sin in your life. That's no, somebody I saw a meme the other day is like Job was surrounded by first year seminary students. Ooh, <laughs> oh wow! Goodness, right. But you know that's that's kind of what can happen. Like we get into apologetics oh and stuff, goodness. we feel like everything's apologetics all the time, and right. And I think that can, you know, be a trap that that you don't want to fall into. But, you know, like you said, and like I was saying earlier, I think having that, like, realistic understanding okay. of death and okay. life and mm -hmm. what God wow. is doing and that this life is a vapor, it is a breath. Like, it just, it, I think it's what separates those people that walk through it on the other side and they're, they're even stronger in their right. confidence in what God is doing 
and those people that it's the thing that that begins the end of their time with the Lord or whatever, you know, right. however you right. define that mm-hmm. theologically, some people would say, well, they never were yeah. known the Lord. Some people would say, well, they did and then walked away. But either way, the end result, I've seen people that at one time claimed to be Christians by all appearances, at least seem mm-hmm. to be strong in the faith. And then they hit a time of suffering right, or a chain of suffering events. And you see, you know, a few years down the road, and you find out they no longer even identify as a Christian anymore. Wow. And you're like, man, you know, the we get it. I think one of the things, and we're by this point we haven't prepared for this at all. We're way off topic. That's all right. <laughs> it's all good. Um, but but having a having a good theology of suffering. Ooh, that's key. And a good theology of of death that's true. Because when it's true, then it's not a silver lining or a sugar coating. Right, right. Then it's like, no, this is this is reality. Um, and it's something you can count on. It's like the chair we're sitting on right now. Like mm. if, 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 and I said this, I, I wasn't even planning on speaking at his uh, funeral today because, um, I haven't been pastoring here, you know, for a few years, maybe even longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we actually had nothing to do with the service today of somebody else put it on and mm-hmm. they, they, I don't think they were supposed to open the mic <laughs> to anybody <laughs> and everybody. Yeah. I think they had a few people that were supposed to speak, but they just ended up opening the mic. And so like everybody and their cousin was getting up there. Yeah. But uh, one of our other pastors that I used to pastor with here, uh, pastor Richard Toussaint, mm. he came up to me and I, and I did feel like a stirring. And what was interesting, I think there were a lot of people in here today that, I mean, I, I don't know this for sure, but they, they didn't strike me as Jesus followers, some of them. And some of them did, yeah. you know, just, and right. I don't know for right. sure. Um, he had friends from kind of all walks of life, every, everything. And, but I just, I did feel the, I felt God's spirit stirring me up and saying, be ready um, to mm. say something. And cause mm-hmm. most of his friends were kind of just coming up and talking about different um, things that they'd experienced with him, which is totally appropriate and great. Um, but I just had, you know, you get that sense sometimes like this yeah. little thing, like prepare, prepare. Right. And here's what, you know, here's what you kind of need to say. So then Richard came up to me. He's like, hey, man, are you going to say something? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, uh, you know, I was thinking about it. I so he was like, well, let's go up together. And oh, wow. we, so we walked up and, and it was right before they actually cut it off. Cause I, while we were up there waiting, the lady came to the guy that was emceeing and said, hey, you weren't supposed to open this <laughs> up. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know that. Okay. And so, uh, and I, and I asked her, I was like, do you want us to not, uh, Right, do you way. want you to sit down then? He was like, no, 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 you guys go last. So I was like, okay, this is a God thing because right. you know, he wants us to shut it down. <laughs> so anyways, I got up there and I felt like I, you know, I delivered what I felt like God had stirred me up to say. But the the thing um, I think that I, that I, that I wanted to say was, you know, God's kingdom is here. It broke into history mm. and the resurrection changes everything mm. and if it if it didn't happen like there is no hope like right. outside of the resurrection you know like paul even said he said you know you die in your sins eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die right. you know there is nothing but matter and motion there is no meaning life is empty nihilism follows you know we right. might as well increase maximize pleasure decrease right. pain until you kill yourself <laughs> right. i mean that, right. that, that yeah. you know that in essence i think that's what the philosophers that were honest and had the stomach to say that were atheists, they said that. Right. And, but I said, if the resurrection happened and I believe it did, and I think we have good evidence to actually know that it did, mm-hmm. um, then it changes everything. It adds a whole nother layer to reality that you right. wouldn't have outside of that. 
And that's what I tried to get across to, to people today was to say, hey, man, that we, we do mourn. And I think that uh, there's a passage in First Thessalonians, I believe it's uh, chapter 4, where, yeah, I just pulled it up here, that where Paul said, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep, which is a euphemism for those who have passed, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. That's when he comes back. Okay. He'll bring, he's going to bring Jasphron back hmm. um, with him. Uh, for we say this to you by a revelation from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly have no advantage over those who have fallen asleep. For Lord, he will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. You know, he goes on this beautiful... Yeah, yeah pattern but he's i love what he says you know i don't want you to be like those who grieve without hope it's okay to grieve and it's okay to mm-hmm. mourn but right. but we don't have to grieve without like those do who have no hope hmm. um and that hope again that's not like oh man i hope i get the new job that hope right. is a confident anticipation of hmm. what we already have a down payment for we know is around the corner and so it's a confident anticipation of what's to come and so that's why i love i mean that's where I think the Christian faith, the Christian worldview is so is is the only real answer to suffering. Yeah. In this life, it's the only real answer to death is, is because death will be swallowed up. Amen. Mm. And so that, you know, just being reminded reminded of that today. And I think uh maybe this will be a shorter podcast. I think if we go into another subject from here, it'll be too long. But I just I do, you know, one of little side note here. One of the things we did often talk about, and this kind of goes back to uh, progressive Christianity, what Elisa was talking about. She said mm-hmm. one of their, one of the things that they point out is like, you know, they said, you know, evangelicals are too focused on individualism in heaven when you die. Mm-hmm. And I actually made that same critique often. Cause I think that was, that was a legitimate critique is like the, they, we, we tended to reduce the gospel down. Okay. To you know, believe these things about Jesus, right. and then you won't then, go to hell. Yeah. You know, it's it's the barcode Christianity, the fire insurance, <laughs> a little escapism kind of. Yeah, and then we have hellbound, you know, and kind of yeah. scare scare the hell out of people. Hellfire and brimstone, yeah. Um, but you know, it's um, it's it's not it, it's it's more than that, right? And that's what we would often talk about it. But here's the thing: where we would disagree with progressive Christianity, it's not less than that. Mm. Um, and it does have that element, like that is part of, that is part of the whole, you know? Right. So you don't want to reduce it down to that. It's actually, the broad picture is, man, the kingdom of God, his dom- dominion, his reign is now available through Jesus. Like everything, mm. everything that was destroyed in the fall, this life we've been living in rebellion, deserving the wrath and deserving not to know that the most beautiful being there is, we deserved all that. but now. We've even though we've been running this kingdom over here in our own kingdoms, which are in death and corruption, and we see how the human order goes when we're in charge. Mm. But God breaks into that and says, "No, my kingdom, my reign, which is good, it's love, it's righteousness, peace, joy mm. in the Holy Spirit, and um, it's eternal." He said, "It's now available. Come into it. I've made a way. I've sent my own Son that you might now have life and have it everlasting." Mm. And I think that picture of the gospel, that's why Jesus and his apostles always taught about the kingdom of God. 
you know, even after the resurrection, you see Jesus is constantly teaching Paul at the end of Acts. He's saying he's, you know, he had this house and he was teaching constantly about the kingdom of God, not just, you know, forgiveness of sins, heaven when you die, but this whole massive thing, the kingdom of God, his rulership, his reign. You know what I mean? Yeah. But with that being said, I think today reminds me that, you know what, you don't know how much longer you have to Mm. repent. And that's an old school term. (laughs) Right. Right. But you know what? If you're listening to this today, I just want to encourage you to take this thing with the utmost seriousness because it's a, it's one of the repentance is one of the most beautiful things and it just means you can turn away, you can turn from the life you've been living and you can turn into the way of God, the Jesus way, the the way of the cross, the way of his kingdom. And you know the it's not it is the reward of heaven, but the reward of knowing God and then having that relationship with him and being able to be in his presence and then being part of when he recreates everything and, and has trans- transformed physicality. Like this is the beauty of it. But the, the seriousness is real. Like mm. you just don't know. I mean, my jazz from man, I mean him mm. passing from the motorcycle and, and I feel so old school <laughs> talking like this, but cause yeah. that's what I used to say, you know, if right. you die tonight, bro, right, right. you know, but I mean, right. there, there is, there is some truth to that is what I'm saying is like, yeah. man, you, you don't know if you have tomorrow. And if you're driving your car, listen to this, I would just encourage you, man, to cry out to God and say, if you, if you don't know him, say, I want to know you, show me yourself. Mm. Um, I'm I'm done trying to run things on my own. I want you to run things, mm. and I have been in the wrong. I've been under your wrath. I've been in rebellion, and I'm I'm done. I'm done rebelling. Mm. Here's a scripture, John seventeen uh, three. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the mm. only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And uh, I'm just reminded that knowing God is just having knowledge of him, being in relationship of him, knowing his word, knowing his ways, and just knowing the kind of life he came to give us. And um, there's another quote, I think Dallas Willard would say, um, we are, I'm an eternal being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. Mm. And so from that perspective, you know, life is, it starts here, but it doesn't have to end here. And when you're in Christ, it's you. You begin that eternal life now, and yeah. that 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 big rich life that he came to give. And I don't mean dollars, but just the richness of knowing him and knowing how to mourn, knowing how to overcome, mm. knowing how to persevere, knowing how to have joy, and all of those rich experiences with God here now and in eternity. So mm. yeah. that's good, babe. And I'm thinking of like, man, just what what you know when you see the the message of that what what better news is there come on like you know that i used to say this in our young adult thing but if you want to go to heaven go now mm-hmm. like you have the ability hey, come on yeah that's good to to walk in to to be part of the people of god right now to become a citizen of heaven mm-hmm. and um and then when you pass you know when you when you your soul or your person separates from your body for this interim phase that paul yeah. calls you know the, he calls it a, a naked stage <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. before we're reclothed with, with our resurrection mm. bodies. But there's a scene in uh, Les Mis. You remember that movie? Oh, yeah. At the end when he's just laying on the mm. sofa mm-hmm. and you see it's almost, yeah. like a, it's almost like a transition, like as natural as waking up. Right. You know? 
mm-hmm. from a dream or something. Yeah. Yeah, and and it, you know, I just I think of that that beauty. And, and it's there's an interesting book I read way back in the day. It's by J.P. Moreland and Gary Habermas called Beyond Death. Mm. And they actually did. They conducted medical experience, medical experiments for near death experiences, right. and they had some really really fascinating stuff. These were done in you know high level medical journals, and they were yeah. they were stuff like I, I'm thinking. It's been a while since I read the book, but one of the examples was this person had died, and they saw a red shoe on the top of the hospital. Came back and they were like, "Hey, man, I just had." So they came back to life. They had passed. Right. I, don't, I can't remember how long the time period was. Hmm. Came back and they told them about their experience. Well, they went up there and they found the shoe exactly wow. they said it was. <laughs> See, and this was just one of many cases. There was another right. case where somebody had passed and somebody said something very specific in the room while they were dead, and they came back oh, and they, they repeated okay. what the person said, and this person oh, yeah. turned white, like, and um, just. You know, one of the arguments from JP, who, who he's like a specialist in consciousness and just that whole field, that's one of his main um, areas of, of study. And he was talking about how the, the people that had passed on, they were able to go on thinking well, even without a brain. They could see oh without eyes. And you know, it's interesting that, that I mean, that, what, that wait, could take us into wait. a whole other area that we're not ready to discuss right. here right now and what exactly happens in that process. And, and a lot of it's vague. But he's but he was just harping on the point that, you know, the the body soul unity is is a holistic thing. You don't want to mm. be too strict of a dualist and dichotomist or trichotomist. There, it's an integrated whole. But you can exist in the soul. You know, God doesn't have a body. Right. God is, is spirit, um, and so he thinks quite well without a brain you know and, <laughs> and that, that's one of the things a lot of people have struggle with because yeah. in the old testament there's a lot of descriptions of god as in you know when moses sees his back right or it talks about the hand of god right, and right. sometimes we get tripped up in genesis when it says that he breathed right. into the nostrils so does god have for lungs sure, for sure and again william lane craig has a great uh podcast his defenders where it talks about the nature of god yeah. and just his non-corporeal Yes, uh, entity, and so, yep. yeah. Don't don't get tripped up, but yep. you, there's yeah, yeah. there's a lot of good information out there. About yeah, that. no, that's good because you know in, in the Psalms sometimes described as having wings and mm-hmm. you know all right. sorts of things. I think right. that's where systematic theology, biblical theology, helps us understand mm-hmm. that those are anthropomorphisms, basically, right. where you describe right. God in human terms. Because you know, God, it's like John Calvin. You say this when God kneels down to talk baby talk to us, and so right. he has to speak in ways that help us understand characteristics about them. But it is interesting that even philosophers, some of whom are not Christian, they don't know what to do with consciousness. And right. many of them think, man, it is, it is completely other. Like you can't, you can't point at anything in my body and say, there's Seth, you know, there's right. something about your, your, your person that right. has existence. That's, um, that's not locatable in any particular physical part of you. And it's right. and it, you have identity over time. Mm-hmm. You have all these, you know, thoughts aren't physical, although they're te- they're correlated with brain states, you know? Oh. Right, right, right. But, you know, these these studies of near-death experiences, if, if, you know, they hold legitimacy, which I think they do, show that you can have mental states even without brain states, which is wild. Right. Um, so anyways, <laughs> but just a, you know, yeah. just, just a reminder, like, and I, don't, I was thinking about this the other day, thinking about Jazz Fran, and it's not exactly like this because dreams, you know, they're, they've you feel a little more distant from. Them. Although sometimes yeah. you have a dream that, like, you wake up and you're like, "Man, that was 
so real and either right. like you're like man i'm sad it's over or you're like i'm glad that was right dream. absolutely <laughs> but you know that yeah. that you could uh that you could have these experiences that are so real that are there's no corresponding physical element to it and i was thinking about being in the paradise of god with jesus mm. and Ooh. and you know there are even philosophers who i don't agree with this i think the 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 external world is real right and knowable and that there really are things like tables and chairs and planets and Right. We're not strapped into this virtual reality um, the matrix. tank like the Matrix, right. you know, right. which some philosophers called idealists basically believe, even I think there was a Christian one, I can't remember his name, but he believed God was producing all these things in us and kind of like a brain in a vat or oh, a mind. Wow. And, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but anyways, but, you, but it's not hard to imagine at all how you could have this conscious experience um, mm. in, in reality with Jesus and, and it not be physical. But I do, what, what I love about the resurrection, I think recent work of N.T. Wright has kind of helped pull the church back um, mm. on this stuff in a book called Surprised by Hope, which we taught uh, here at the, at the church for a while. And, and I'm not an N.T. Wright guy in the, in the respect that I agree with everything he says, but I think he was really helpful on, he's a New Testament scholar, and he really brought in the, that ancient Near Eastern Jewish understanding of the resurrection that was, mm. it was, it's transformed physicality. I think that's a beautiful picture that, you know, in the new heavens and new earth, it's, it's not this realm of kind of floaty virtual reality, but we are going to be yeah. engaged in the cosmos, how it was meant to be for the first time since mm. the fall. Does he mention or speak of what life was before the fall was I know there was no death. Or is there anything to? Sorry, that's another that's topic. A, you know, so that's, that's the next. A, that's part two. Sorry. That probably required like ten, uh, ten podcasts again. Though yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we were. I, I refer to William Lane Craig a lot, okay. just because I think, I think he is one of the the greatest thinkers of our day for sure. Um, there are many, many great thinkers, but I think he's right. one of the best, and and he has expertise in theology. He has a, a doctor of theology from I think. Uh, Munich, Germany, mm-hmm. and a doctorate of philosophy in, from Birmingham, UK, actually. So he mm-hmm. has both of these sides really well, and he integrates right. them really. And so the, the clarity of his thinking, both theologically and philosophically, is, brings those together really well. So, But he, his Defenders podcast, mm-hmm. um, he has a whole thing on creation and, and all that where he discusses okay. it from every <laughs> angle. So I'm just going to defer yeah. to that because that'll yeah. open up a whole gotcha. can of worms. Yeah. And there's a in the Defenders podcast, it, the last series, you know, so the Defenders podcast is it's actually a four-year curriculum yep. basically yep. that he just repeats every four years. Yeah. And so you'll see in that podcast Defenders 1, 2 and 3. And yep. those were just the cycles of that four-year exactly. material and the last uh, piece of material in each of those cycles is the doctrine of the last things. Yes, which is eschatology, which is what I was which is what we started about. with. And uh, you know, it's funny he's doing this, I believe at a Baptist church. Yeah, uh, Johnson near, Ferry in Okay. Okay. And, uh, you know, when he gets on the rapture, man, there's some older <laughs> Baptist ladies that got some thoughts oh, yeah, yeah. about that. So he gets into it, but it's, it's a great, the reason why I always mention it, and I'm sure Seth mentions it all the time too, is they're about 20 to 30 minute episodes, but because it's a Sunday school type setting, you know, he teaches for maybe 10 or 15 minutes and then yeah. he opens the floor. Okay. Yeah. And these people asking questions are not theologians. These are not yeah, yeah. seminary students. These are just just lay people attending this church and going to this class with William Lane Craig, one of the greatest minds. And, you know, if you see some of the shots, I mean, there's maybe like 30, 40 people there, you know, it's yeah, not yeah. a lot. And they're just asking the questions that you would ask yeah. as just an everyday Bible reader, maybe have no experience. That's and they're just like, wait, what, what is that? You know, what do you mean yeah, by man. that? Yeah. And so it's a great first step. That's kind of how I first 
one of the first things I started listening to was for sure. the Defenders. Podcast. I think I don't know if you remember this, babe. When we were lived in Nashville, I had those things on repeat. So I, I listened through all the way Defenders, the first one, which was like, I mean, you never knew like audio wise. It was, oh, it was rough. It was. Like, you'd have yeah. one good one, one terrible one, one yeah. it was like completely different. But I trudged through them. You know, as during my really struggling phase, I, I listened through all those. Then I went through all of two, and then I went yeah. back through them a couple times. I, I, right. Having gone to like. Bible school and even done, you know, good seminary classes. I think it was on an equal footing or even better than most stuff I've taken at, you know, the academic level. And I think, yeah, if you, if you have the time, I mean, it's a worthy investment way more so than, you know, Netflix and the other stuff we fill up our time with. I think Mm -hmm. going through those courses would be super helpful, but, but yeah, your, your question is very relevant. And I would say this, if you want to start a fight, conversation these days you start with trump <laughs> second second go go to the rapture and then third start with the age of the earth <laughs> oh my goodness that's that. top three right there. yeah actually yeah so so you know nerva you went with me to this wheaton college uh it was a rzim oh yeah week long training this was early right. on too in our relationship yeah i think she was like what am i getting into i was like <laughs> um, what is happening <laughs> but we actually got to hear uh, john lennox speak that day oh wow yeah that's awesome and it was amazing he was talking about science and uh science and religion the mm-hmm. interface and at the end he you know he he is actually really ginger in his presentation he gives you know the pros and cons of all the sides but mm-hmm. he was he was kind of allowing in that context, the idea that you could take an old earth perspective and be a biblical Christian and the room got like nervous. didn't know. I said, right. what in the world? She could tell like the whole room <laughs> tense. She looked at me. She's like, what just happened? <laughs> it was great. So I was like, you know, trying to, trying to break it down. But anyways, you know, good, good questions here. And I think, um, worth, worth exploring. But I, but I think the overall, Again, the same with the eschatology thing. You, I've studied the age of the earth thing and the whole, you know, young earth, old earth, theistic evolution, all that stuff in depth. And you can still walk away with that and maybe not even take a hard line view on it, um, but still get the idea of what the Bible was getting at in those, mm-hmm. in those early passages. So you walk away with kind of a sketch of historic Christianity, like a skeleton, if you will, and you can disagree on the details, but the skeleton, even in and of itself, like mere Christianity, what C.S. Lewis calls it, yeah. is enough to give you that hope and that confidence that we can face, you know, suffering, we can face death, and it's just it's just a vapor. We can walk through it. And like Stephen said, he's the, this is the same guy that wrote A Grief Observed. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you get on the other side and you, and you, you keep your confidence in, in God and the resurrection, and we anticipate, man, when he's just going to blow our minds and, and this thing's going to all, as N.T. Wright says, be put to rights. Mm. And his, uh, I can't do his British accent. he shall reign accent. forever and ever. Yes, he That's shall good. reign forever. That's good. Well, I know we, we gave a lot of recommendations. I just want to give one more because it, it was a great book. But um, Paul Kalanithi uh, wrote a New York Times bestseller. Uh, it was called When Breath Becomes Air. Mm. And uh, Paul Kalanithi was a, a neurosurgeon in his 30s and uh, grew up as a Christian. And during medical school and his neurosurgeon training, left the faith, uh, got married, and then discovered that he had lung cancer. And it was pretty terminal. And uh, just a couple years later, he passed away, I think at age 38. And uh, this book is him walking through that whole process. And he wrote it in the final weeks of his life. 
but it's an interesting journey that he takes. And again, I think offers a lot of um, encouragement, maybe from someone who has lost someone. Um, him and his wife even chose to have a daughter, knowing that he would be dead in shortly after the daughter was born. Wow. And so they did all those all those things. And and even at the end of the book, he talks about you know if you look at people who experience extreme suffering, most of the time they do not shrink away and lose faith. Mm-hmm. And actually, those who experience the most suffering step up and a lot of times can accomplish more and are more inspiring and are more driven to do great things in this life. And so, you know, a lot of times when we experience suffering, the Eastern mentality of, well, let's escape suffering by detaching Mm -hmm. and let's try and not want or desire things. I think that can be a dangerous uh, temptation. And a lot of times the Eastern mysticism in our culture might, might draw us that way, but it's actually not the case that uh, suffering for how much pain it may cause can actually drive us to to great things, and I think when given to Christ, uh, it can really be something beautiful. If that's um, you know okay to say, but yeah, yeah, good. yeah, that's really good. Well, this is a tough episode, oh my <laughs> but maybe you know maybe if someone has experienced loss recently, maybe this could be a help. Uh, maybe some of these resources may help, and and if you need help or or encouragement or have some thoughts or maybe a situation. Uh, you know, reach out to us. Again, there's lots of ways you can do it. You can email podcast at freemind.fm. There's a contact form on the website, freemind.fm, that you can contact us through. And through social media, you know, Instagram at freemind.fm or DM us. And uh, we'd like to hear from you. Again, if there's topics you'd like to hear in the future or, again, questions you have about anything that we talk about, we'd love to hear from you there. Thanks for listening. <laughs>